When you've been wronged, what's your first thought? For most of us, our immediate fleshly response is to get back at that person. But as we'll learn from Pastor Daniel's teaching today, vengeance is only for God. It's not easy, but if you commit that desire to Jesus, imagine what he'll do with that. Instead of us seeking to destroy a person, God seeks to save. Today, consider that we were all once enemies of God, but he reached out and saved us. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Salvation. Jesus is Jesus came to deliver us from our sin nature. Not what we do, it's who we are. Right? So we can be deliverers with a small D. We can give a cup of cold water. But only Jesus is the deliverer with the big D. Not just fixing the immediate crisis issues, but Jesus fixes the overarching problem of humanity. That humanity left to its own devices will always live selfishly and in rebellion against God. And in some ways... Haman was the immediate crisis issue, but the greater issue is the death of the Jewish people. And isn't death the greatest issue that we all struggle with? Isn't, like, death the ultimate issue? Now, why does death happen? Death happens because of sin. Why does sin happen? Because we inherited a sin nature from the very first people, Adam and Eve. Everybody has it. It looks differently in everyone's life, but left to your own devices, you're going to do selfish things. You're going to think selfish thoughts. You're going to do good things for selfish motives. And if you reflect on your heart, nobody taught you how to do that. You just do that. And we all do it. The, the proof is in your own heart and in my own heart. If you don't believe it, just watch the news, read a newspaper, look at news. On, you, it's everywhere. You see it. All you got to do is look at social media. You could see it all. But Jesus is the great deliverer. And I love that, isn't it? Isn't it a beautiful thing? That Jesus is the great deliverer. See, God has used Mordecai and Esther. But the work isn't done because there's a, a, something greater at stake. Now, if you look through this, you realize that the king gave Esther the house of Haman, Right? And then Esther gives it over to Mordecai. And Mordecai finds himself being elevated. He gets the signet ring from Haman. Now, if you're brand new with us, there's a history with the king and and Mordecai because Mordecai has helped the king in different ways. And so what you find now is you find Mordecai is now ascending to a top advisor for the king because Haman is gone. And right away, Esther comes and she falls down again and she says, in effect, king, listen, 
we need a new decree because my people are still going to die, right? And the king says, look, I want you to write one that seems right to you. Write what needs to be written and use the signet ring that I gave to Mordecai. So the king realizes that something needs to change or else the Jewish people are still going to die. So the king assents to this. He's like, okay, let's do it. Now look at what happens in verse 9. It says, so the king's scribes were called at that time in the third month, which is the month of Sivan, on the 23rd day, it was written down according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews, the satraps, the governors, and the princes of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces in all, to every province in its own script, to every people in their own language, and to the Jews in their own script and language. And he wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus, sealed it with the king's signet ring, and sent letters by couriers on horseback, riding on royal horses, bred from swift steeds. By these letters, the king permitted the Jews who were in every city to gather together and protect their lives, to destroy, to kill, and annihilate all the forces of any people of the province that would assault them, both little children and women, and to plunder their possessions. So what we find is that a second decree is made, and this mirrors Esther chapter 3 when the first decree was made. Now we have a new decree. And the decree in effect says this, all the Jewish people are allowed to protect themselves. Anybody who wants to come and rise up against the Jewish people, they have the ability to protect themselves. That's what it says. Now, how do I apply this for us? This is simple. Write it down. Something powerful happens when we take the things that God is revealing to us and we actually put pen to paper or fingers to keys and actually write it down. Because how often do you have something that you sense God wants you to do and you don't write it down and you never go back to it? It's, it's the act of writing something down almost puts it in concrete. It's like you have to deal with it then. It's there. It's on paper. And I think for many of us, we need to start journaling or writing. You need to, when God lays something on your heart, you need to write it down and share it with yourself or with your loved ones, your spouse, because something, I, I encourage you when, you, when you come to church, take some notes. I mean, I go back to my first four years as a Christian. I read the notes. It's amazing the things that God was showing me. It's amazing. Like where, where, where the pastor would be preaching and all of a sudden something would be applied personally to me. And I, I have these things where they'd be in boxes with stars. Daniel, God wants you to stop doing this. God wants you to take that step of faith. God wants you to do that thing. And I really encourage all of us to do that. Why? Because God wrote it down for us. It's called the Bible, my friends. See, God gave us his specific revelation in a book so that you and I can open this thing up and say, this is the heart of God. And if God wants us to understand who he is and he would write it down for us through the hands of men over time, over many generations, we should do the same thing. And don't neglect 
because God has written his word down for us, are you a person of the word? Are you somebody who studies and learns God's word? You and I, we have the Bible in English. We have amplified Bibles. We have this translation and that translation. We have paraphrases. We have all this stuff. You can get it on MP3. Whatever your thing is, you have access to it. But there are people in the world who don't even have access to the gospel of John in their own language. This is just the story of Jesus. We all need to be people of the book. We don't want to take it for granted. We should read God's word more than we read anything else that we read. How much time do you spend reading books on how to do Minecraft well or your favorite sports thing or, 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 or your favorite fashion magazine? How much time do you spend flipping through the, the social magazines about whatever your thing is, good, good housekeeping or, or the man's guide to life in the wilderness or whatever your thing is? God has given us his heart in his word, we need to be people of the word. And not just people who read the word, but people who actually think about it and meditate on it and say, God, what does this mean for me and my life? Who am I because of who God is? When was the last time you wrote it down? When was the last time you wrote a, a note of appreciation to somebody who always helps or helps from time to time? We need to be people who write it down. See, in order for this decree that's going to save the Jewish people, it needs to be written down. And not only is it written down, it's written in every language, and it's sent out to the entire empire. It's literally sent out to the entire empire. It says from Ethiopia to India. It gives you a sense of the scope of that empire, all the way from Africa, clear all the way across to India, through Southeast Asia. It's an amazing size. And we find out that it gets handed to couriers who get on horseback. They're on horseback and they were bred from swift steeds. So you realize that time is of the essence. It's in the third month now. So there's eight, nine months until this day was set to kill the Jewish people. So this thing needs to get through the entire empire in a little more than a half a year so that the Jewish people realize that it is legal for them to protect themselves. I think it's important to note at this point that our Bible tells us that we should be peacemakers, that we should live peaceably with all people when it's within our power. And I I think we have to remember that in the world that we live in because God wants us to make peace in every way possible, but when we can't, then God wants us to protect ourselves. Protecting ourselves and exacting vengeance are two different things, though, brothers and sisters. They're two different things. God's desire for us is that at all costs, we try and make peace. But when we can't make peace, God wants us to protect ourselves, but not exact vengeance. Why? Because the Bible says, vengeance is whose? The Lord's. And you and I can live differently than other people by knowing the line to protect ourselves and not be vengeful because we trust in a God who ultimately will repay. We don't have to exact vengeance because we trust that God will. And so 
It doesn't say they're allowed to go out and just kill whoever they want to because they almost got killed, and so now they're allowed to do whatever they want because they're just thinking hot mad. It's not that. They're allowed to protect themselves. And brothers and sisters, you're allowed to protect yourself. But you got to ask yourself, are you trying to exact vengeance from somebody? Did somebody hurt you, and now you're bent on showing them how hurt you are? No matter what they did, their sin is theirs. Our sin is ours. Brothers, sisters, listen. If you're bent on vengeance right now, you need to commit that to Jesus. And you need to trust that the God who does all things well will be able to exact the vengeance necessary. But that's also why Jesus said we should pray for our enemies. Because how much better is it for God to save an enemy than it is for God to destroy an enemy? When God saves somebody who has wronged you, by God's grace, they become a family member. That's so much better than just destroying somebody who's hurt us. So much better. Why? Because God didn't destroy us when we were enemies of him. He hasn't done that. He has gone to extraordinary lengths to save us. The beauty of this is with this decree, if nobody lifts a hand against the Jewish people, guess what? Nobody gets hurt. Like this literally, this whole crisis could be averted with absolutely nobody getting hurt at all. It's not going to happen that way, but nobody gets hurt. We have to make sure, brothers and sisters, that we are not men and women seeking to exact vengeance. And you have to say, Spirit of God, search my heart. Because you know what? It's like our hearts are pretty, pretty wicked, ain't they? Some of the stuff in our hearts just pretty messed up. And the beauty is, is God knows that our hearts are messed up. And God says, look, your heart is messed up, but I'm, by my Holy Spirit, I'm going to come and I'm going to convict you of it so that you bring it to me so that I can change your heart. See, we need to be aware of what's in there so that we can say, Lord, you see what's in there. Can you do a work here? And the Lord's like, yeah, I've been waiting for this. I, I, I'm a perfect heart surgeon. So if you got wickedness in your heart, and you do, because we all do, I definitely do, you know, we just bring that stuff to the Lord. We say, Lord, I'm sorry. My heart, Lord, do the work you want to do in my heart. And the Lord's like, yes, because he's the great physician. He's got skilled hands. He knows exactly what he wants to do to make you and me more like Jesus, who we really want to be like. All that vengeance, it's, destroy, it's hollowing us out on the inside. Don't, don't make the mistake of living a life of vengeance. It only leads to more pain. Trust the Lord with it. So in verse 15, look what it says. It says, so Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white with a great crown of gold and a garment of fine linen and purple. And the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. The Jews had light and gladness, joy and honor. And in every promise, province and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast 
and a holiday, then many of the people of the land became Jews because fear of the Jews fell upon them. So you notice now the sharp contrast with Mordecai. Remember back in chapter 4, Mordecai, when he found out about the decree, he was in sackcloth and ashes and he was wailing. Now we have Mordecai arrayed in royal apparel, blue and white, all these different things. So we see this huge contrast. Notice we find that the Jews, they have light and gladness, joy and honor. These are the antithesis of the four words that we had in chapter four, verse three, mourning, fasting, weeping, and wailing. So we find a complete change, total contrast. What does it teach us? It teaches us that righteousness exalts. That's what it teaches us, that righteousness exalts. Now, Mordecai was a righteous man by all accounts. Everything we have about Mordecai here in the story of Esther is that he was a a good guy. He looked out for the king. He raised Esther as his own daughter. You know, all this different stuff. He was always looking out for other people, right? But for a time in his righteousness, Mordecai and his people were really struggling. They were under death sentence. All this stuff is going on. And you have to remember that ultimately righteousness exalts and sin is a reproach. That's actually Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34, right? Righteousness exalts a nation and a sin is a reproach to any people. You and I have to remember that when you follow Jesus, you will act like Jesus. And when you act like Jesus, because Jesus is righteous, we should act in a way that is righteous. But not always when you are living righteously will everything go well for you. Isn't that a challenge when you are doing things the right way, somebody who's doing things in a shady way is getting farther, making more money, going past you, and you start to struggle. But that's why, of course, God in his word gave us Psalm 73. Remember, Asaph saw the prosperity of the wicked. And it says that his foot almost slipped. He almost gave in to the ways of the world. But then it says, then he remembered their latter end when he came into the temple. And he realized that although they seem to be prospering now, ultimately, sin will not prosper. And it's an encouragement for you and for me to Take the steady and long road of living rightly before the Lord because the Lord ultimately will work everything out. See, Mordecai in his righteousness, he could be like, Lord, I'm taking care of the king and now he signs this this decree against me and my people and I'm, I'm trying to do everything right and look at what's happening. I believe some of you right now feel that way. Like, I'm doing everything as best I understand by the Bible when everything's falling apart. Listen, ultimately, righteousness will exalt. It will. But notice I say ultimately and not seemingly always. And that's where we struggle. Don't stop doing what you know to be right because if you take a shortcut, other people are getting where you want to get to quickly. Don't make that mistake. Eugene Peterson calls discipleship the art of learning to follow Jesus, a long obedience in the same direction. I really feel that for some of us, right now you're thinking about taking a quick out. Don't do it. You might get to where you want to get to, but ultimately God will 
honor and exalt righteousness. And he will humble those who are wicked. That's what our Bibles teach us. And this section here, it really shows the complete role reversal. You get a lot of this in the Gospels, don't you? Like the first will be last and the last will be first. Take the lowest seat and then you'll get moved up. But if you take the high seat, you will be up. See, it's that upside down nature of the kingdom of God. God asks us to simply respond to Jesus and follow him. And we entrust exaltation and blessing to the Lord. And we receive whatever God gives us from his hands. And we say, thank you. We learn how to endure hardship with perseverance. We learn how to steward blessings with grace. That's what God wants to do in our lives. But we need to be steady on. We need to not cut corners because ultimately righteousness exalts. And we see that here. And we even see that the witness now of what had gone on with Haman and the decree and now Mordecai's exaltation and rise up into power next to the king, we find that people in the city started to become Jews. They started to convert because God's favor on his people as displayed by this change of actions, now people are like, hey, I want to be in on that. Powerful, isn't it? Now, as you move into chapter 9, we see what's going to happen here. So look at what, look at what it says. Chapter 9, verse 1. Now in the 12th month, that is the month of Adar, on the 13th day, the time came for the king's command and his decree to be executed. On the day that the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, the opposite occurred, in that the Jews themselves overpowered those who hated them. The Jews gathered together in their cities throughout all their provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm, and no one could withstand them because fear of them fell upon all people. And all the officials of the provinces, the satraps and the governors, and all those doing the king's work helped the Jews because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. For Mordecai was great in the king's palace, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces. For this man, Mordecai, became increasingly prominent. Thus the Jews defeated all their enemies with the stroke of the sword with slaughter and destruction and did what they pleased with those who hated them. And in Shushan, the citadel, the Jews destroyed and killed 500 men. Also, Parshatatha, Dalphon, Ashpatha, Poratha, Adalia, Aridatha, Parmesh, Parmesh, I was going to say Parmesan anyway, Arisai, Aridai, and Vajasatha, I don't know if that's right. I just am rolling with it. I've had a lot of these this last week at Crossroads, haven't I? The ten sons of Haman, the sons of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, they killed, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. So we find that on that day, all the Jewish people got together to protect themselves. And we find out that in Shushan, where they were, 500 people were killed including the 10 sons of Haman. Now, what does this teach us? That no weapon shall prosper. That's what we learn. That no weapon fashioned against us will prosper. Jesus is 
Well, thanks again for joining us for today's edition of Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco. The Christmas season is a time for family and friends, but it can be stressful. The list of things to do can be daunting. And finding just the right gift can be a challenge as well. Have you thought about giving God's Word? Giving the gift of God's Word is the perfect gift for anyone. We might have just what you need. Throughout the month of December, we would like to offer three special Christmas messages on a single CD to anyone who supports the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio with a gift of $25 or more. These special Christmas messages are entitled A Housing Crisis, O Christmas 3, and Peace. To support Jesus Is Real Radio, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the Partner option in the main menu. Again, for anyone who supports Jesus Is Real Radio with a gift of $25 or more through the month of December, we will send you a single CD with three special Christmas messages. A Housing Crisis, O Christmas 3, and Peace. So log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu to help support Jesus Is Real Radio, and we'll send you a special Christmas CD as a thank you. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.